Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Raw Podcast with me, your host, Christine Grace. Today, I have Tarzi McLean on the show. Tarzi has a master's in counseling psychology and is an experienced therapist who advocates for bio, psycho, social, spiritual approaches to health. She has worked as a facilitator and consultant in health and wellness systems for over two decades. She is trained in psychedelic assisted therapy and offers preparatory and post-experience psychedelic support and integration work, as well as trauma-informed counseling through her private practice, Soul Compass Therapy, at www.soulcompass.info. And if you haven't already guessed, we talk a lot about mental health, the language around it, the ethics and scope of therapy, as well as the vast and dynamic world of psychedelics. So without further ado, let's welcome Tarzi McLean. So welcome, Tarzi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, me too. Um, So I'm just going to kind of dive right in because it's more fun that way. And just to kind of set up kind of who you are, um, you are a psychologist um, who... Not a psychologist, actually. Okay, never mind. (laughs) Then how about you explain? I thought you were. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, no, because of some of the, my areas of interest, I'm not really interested in uh, being part of a, a group that might decline some of my activities, let's just say. Um, yeah. So I'm a therapist uh, or counselor. Um, that's how I kind of describe myself. I have my master's in counseling psychology okay. and I've been um, working in the helping professions and uh, uh, mental health and therapy realm for a long time. And I have a private practice and I work a lot with people in the community so I can say more but (laughs) yeah no that's awesome um so then what was what kind of first piqued your interest in becoming like working with mental health um I think I was uh kind of person where I was always really really curious about um um just you know people's processes and wellness and like I remember even as a teenager being like why does what do these people kind of like you know do okay and kind of make it and then other people why do they have more difficulties and like what like what's the difference in those environments and um, I actually started um, when I was in my undergrad I was in criminology and was working in the um, believe it or not in corrections when I was really young and I started working in group homes and things like that And I just really noticed that, um, you know, by the time people got to a particular age, there had just been so much happen in their lives in terms of like, you know, just trauma and difficulty and just, you know, just different things kind of progressing. And I knew that I wanted to do something that was more upstream. And so I started working more in like community programs, kind of more prevention, family services, that kind of thing. And then that um, grew my my interest and my background in um, counseling because then I found that I wanted to work with people um, more one-on-one to be able to do, you know, kind of therapeutic work. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of grew from there in terms of also working on different levels uh, in terms of more system work as well, which is also what I do now. Right. And so you kind of have that nice split where you get to, you get to do both, which is really interesting. Like you get to work with the individuals because 
a lot, I, I personally believe a lot of work needs to be done at the individual level, at least for how they're going to interact within their life dynamic. Um, but obviously we have issues in this system level that also need to be addressed. So um, just maybe if we could start quickly with the system, what kind of aspects of the system do you find you're kind of helping shift or working on, if that's even something you can talk about? Yeah, yeah, I think I can talk about it without naming specific. Yeah, um, uh, yeah so I've always been really um, interested in kind of working within systems from like the inside out type yeah. of thing. I know a lot of people are really frustrated by systems right now, mm -hmm. you know, healthcare system overall, addiction and mental health, that type of thing. But being able to, um, you know, get to a place where you can, you can have some competency and expertise and then try to shift and change mm -hmm. things. So that's, um, you know, something that I've been part of for a while is kind of a more um, macro, so wider um, system level trying to help um, facilitate, enhance, broker, you know, kind of improve connections, improve access to services, help with strategies, plans, um, that kind of thing. And that's, you know, I've kind of done different jobs, you know, kind of within that description. And then some of the work that I do kind of, you know, within Calgary and beyond is also, um, you know, having a, having a, you know, I guess a level of a pulse on, you know, what's happening for people in terms of like adult mental health and the things that people are needing support and, 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 um, you know, services for, and seeing sometimes that our, our systems, you know, sometimes they meet the needs, sometimes they don't. Um, and then also looking to, um, promote, explore, educate about, you know, maybe alternative or complementary, um, you know, ways of being able to work and, and heal, you know, different things that people, people are dealing with. Yeah. I think I've started to wonder if sometimes, um, some of the problem is just not even knowing what is actually available. Like, like just being able to get the information of what is available out there to find healing, I think is one of the biggest obstacles. Yeah, for sure. And that's uh, definitely something I remember, you know, kind of learning many years ago too, like until, you know, you have to have a certain level of, um, you know, kind of understanding and, and readiness, right? And even in the addictions world, there's uh, there's something called the, the, the stages of change. And so it's like being able to understand like, okay, this really is a problem. I really do need to work on this. I need to be able to reach out. I need to be able to maybe change what I'm doing. And until people get to that point, they're not maybe looking to be able to, you know, seek help right. or they're just trying to manage it on their own or something like that. Right. So, so oftentimes we'll find that is like, you know, until it gets to a certain crisis yeah. or, you know, just even understanding people are like, yeah, that's, that's not for me. I'm just trying to manage. And, you know, sometimes it just comes down to what people have capacity for at the time in my private practice, obviously I see people that have gotten to the point where it's not okay anymore to try to, you know, figure it out on their own, you know, just talk to their friends about it, you know, that type of thing. Like they need somebody external to be able to help them, um, you know, just work through and, and, you know, kind of in manageable chunks type of thing. Cause usually I see people when it's like, you know, right. <laughs> it's hit the rails kind of thing. Right. So do you see that at all as just kind of a problem in how we even term and think about mental health because it's like people I don't want to be seen as somebody who has a mental health issue therefore I'm not going to get help when it's like then we let ourselves like and I did this too like we let ourselves slip to the point of like possibly suicide attempts or something before it's like oh I need help it's like how can we yeah how can we find to navigate maybe 
faster than that? Or is that just a human psyche? Well, I mean, you know, I think in the, in the best case scenario, we would have uh, systems and a structure where, you know, we, we could be more community, you know, focused. We could have more of a, a fabric to be able to identify, you know, in ourselves or in mm -hmm. others that we're close to, hey, something's going on. Like, you know, you seem really stressed out or noticing behavioral change or noticing just, you know, general distress type of thing, right? Um, but I think, you know, like for sure, I mean, we're talking about kind of stigma and mental health, mm. um, and, and definitely, you know, again, I think people have to get to a particular point too, where, you know, it gets, it's gets sort of, a yeah, at a certain level. And then they kind of, you know, they try to manage for a while. And I think that's definitely, you know, a cultural thing too, you know, I think it's getting better for mm -hmm. sure. You know, like even in, you know, the last five or 10 years, way more discussions about mental health, way more discussions about normalizing help seeking and reaching out and like talking about it and being vulnerable. And, you know, that we're all kind of fucked up at different points. And we all have like the need to, um, you know, be able to say, hey, like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Or I'm really struggling or, you know, I need to go talk to somebody about it, right, too. And, um, I think that the, that's the one thing too, I think with, you know, online, everything right now, even with COVID, like there's just a lot of, um, you know, there's definitely the need for that for sure. Mm -hmm. But also that, um, you know, that people are not really faking it as much anymore because yeah. we really, really can't, right? Like just right. the impact of everybody's overall wellness is just tremendous. Yeah. It was actually interesting. I was, I was contemplating, like I, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about the language that we use um, for even things, uh, like even calling our system, like a healthcare system, most of it, we go to the healthcare system when we're unwell, not to actually figure out how to be healthy. Um, yeah. and so it's like a weird thing in how we even conceptualize these things and like coping mechanisms is one of those words that I was thinking about the other day, because most of what we would call a coping mechanism is actually more of a relieving mechanism. It's not coping with the actual issue, um, but I get why we call it a coping mechanism. Cause it helps us get back into, into the real life thing. But I wonder like, how do you navigate those kind of things with, with clients? Like, how do you work through that and like teaching yeah, them actual yeah. mechanisms well, to cope? Yeah. And, and I, uh, you know, it's funny. I was actually in a, a webinar on, on, uh, just a few days ago with uh, Gabor Matei and another uh, clinician, Andrew Tatarski, who does a, um, an integrative mm -hmm. um, harm reduction psychotherapy. And like, if anybody follows Dr. Matei, you know, his whole thing is, you know, we have to ask why, you know, why people are masking things like around like a coping mechanism, mm -hmm. like something that is perceived as kind of like unhealthy potentially, mm -hmm. right? Like what's happening with why something's, you know, like being masked, being covered, being, you know, pushed down, being depressed, right? Um, and so, you know, my sort of overarching philosophy of, of working with people, and I think this is, you know, definitely consistent in, um, you know, when people work from a more holistic um, or psychodynamic, you know, kind of look at things like, in, in, I guess in just to kind of back up a bit, like in, in, in healthcare, oftentimes there's like, put a bandaid on it, let's just deal with the symptoms, mm -hmm. right? It's sort of like symptom management. 
as opposed to saying like, what's your understanding of kind of what got you here and what's your relationship with that, right? So that's kind of how I prefer to work with people. It's not just like, let's just deal with the things over here, but also let's increase your capacity and understanding of like, you're kind of trying to manage old stuff that's interfering with your ability to live in the now, right? And so oftentimes we'll kind of, uh, you know, kind of have this this sort of uh, duality of like, let's go back and kind of, you know, talk about where this came from and, and what you were trying to, like, what in your system, how did you adapt to, you know, often a, an environment that you were, that you were, weren't, wasn't really holding you, right. right? So something where there was some, some functional adaptation um, that might come out in, you know, a variety of ways um, in, in the person's, you know, it could be personality or like coping strategies, or, you know, it could be addiction, it could be, you know, emotion management, anything like that, right? Because as a, when we're younger, the self will say, you know what, this is this, the place I'm in right now. And so to get through this and survive and be okay, I'm going to have to do this, right. um, which is super helpful, actually, mm -hmm. like, you know, and, and sometimes I say to people, great that you learned to do that. And now, you know, that that's not necessary anymore. So how do we um, kind of step back from that? And you can get a different um, you know, kind of operating system because right. that one, you don't need to do that one anymore because it's actually getting in the way of you living a full life as an adult, right? So, so that, that's kind of like this, this, so then we'll also cover things like, you know, what does that mean, you know, in terms of, you know, day-to-day -day life and, and living in terms of um, skills, abilities, competencies, behaviors that need to, to kind of translate when somebody's making that kind of change as to, you know, the kind of the gap between like stimulus and response right. when, when different uh, situations come up. Right. And that's, that's also a thing I find really interesting too, is how hard it actually is to change something. Like, like I know when I was in therapy for um, treating depression, there is probably four sessions of working on the same issue for her to even get me to see it differently because my belief was so strong and it was, I'll just be transparent. It was a belief that I wasn't loved. Um, that was just like a core belief of mine that I just wasn't loved because certain needs weren't met. And then the way I conceptualized that was that equaled not loving because um, we form our beliefs so young. And I remember like, she just would sit there and like, keep asking me like, okay, is that true? And I would like give all the reasons why it was true. And then like, and it took about, like I said, about four sessions to unravel this one belief, but it still took me probably two, three years on top of that to start to integrate a feeling of actually being loved in, in the way that my family could show up for me, not in the way I expected them to show up for me. Um, and I wonder like, I think that's another big issue when we go to try to work towards healing is like our expectations of how fast it might take us. Um, so is that something that you set up with clients, like uh, an expectation management, or is it just, you just meet them where you are and try to work through it? Expectation management. Huh. That's interesting. I, it doesn't usually come up actually. Mm. Um, I find, but, but I, but I think, well, there's a couple of things. There's a few things that you said there too. Um, what you said about, you know, sometimes realizing, or, or we, we don't even realize that there's something really like a core belief mm -hmm. right like this core thing that we've like we've taken on we've 
you know, we've, we've sort of swallowed, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and oftentimes because that's like, people aren't aware of those things, like we were talking about earlier, where it's like, you get to a point and then you kind of go, what do I keep, you know, running up against these roadblocks or something, right? So, and it's hap happened to me too. Mm -hmm. Like I've had it too, or, you know, even like a couple of years ago where I, I was in a group session and I had this big realization of like, oh, I, I have to learn this, this thing. And it, it was about, uh, you know, when people are in a, in a, like a family system or a group system, if somebody has to go and uh, um, like take care of themselves, like take a break or like, you know, just whatever. I actually had a bit of an abandonment thing come up where I was like, where are they going? Am I going to be okay? Why are they leaving? Mm. And then I was like, oh, I'm learning that, you know, I, it's okay for somebody to go and kind of check out for a little while and take care of themselves so then they they can go back and i was like oh i love this because i had no idea that that was a thing for me right like i was like and but it was just so it was uh, automatic right. it came up really quickly and then i had the the luxury of being able to process that with the other people that i was there with so i guess i'm saying that too and, and i've shared that with clients sometimes too because sometimes these things like you don't even realize that it's there until you do that like deeper work mm -hmm. or somebody you know continues to kind of like poke you a little bit about your you know your belief systems your your boundaries your assumptions your your narrative right um and i and i think like um you know, one of the things I say to people is, you know, this, this is not a black and white process. This is not a one size fits all. Definitely there are, there are themes, right? Even what we're talking about, there are themes and some generalizations about, you know, just healing and what people, how people can face things and what's helpful. Um, but there's no, like, it's not the same for everybody. And, and what I usually say to people is like, it depends too, like how this works for you. Like, does it feel okay? Do you feel like it's helpful? Do you feel like I can understand you, you know, because it's developing a relationship, mm -hmm. right? And so like even figuring out like how, how much or how long or like, you know, what's working. It's a very collaborative, you know, kind of checking in process that happens all the way along, right? In terms of what somebody needs, because that's such a dynamic, you know, answer, right? Mm -hmm. So, um. And something you said there sparked my interest about, because I think that's like some of the hard jobs that people don't really give as much credit to, to people who are counselors, is you have to simultaneously help somebody feel heard and believed in their lived experience while questioning the conclusions that they've come to of their lived experience to try to navigate it in a more beneficial way. And I've seen sometimes people will say like, cause I'll kind of just qu question or poke things and people are like, well, that's my experience. And I'm like, yes, it is. But there is a space where we can misunderstand or misperceive our experience. And I find in the culture right now, like that there's a term gaslighting. That is where you mm -hmm. kind of take away someone's experience. And I was with a partner who did this, like would just totally anything I said wasn't true. My experience was completely invalidated. And that's like a form of gaslighting. But I do wonder sometimes, like I, I understand pendulums have to swing with terminology and the culture, the larger culture has to take time to understand it. But is that something you find a little difficult or challenging when working with people is navigating that balance? Yeah, and I think what that comes down to, too, is like oftentimes when people are wanting, like, you know, there's a reason why they're reaching out and they're looking for, you know, support or something different. They're looking for relief, usually mm -hmm. at, you know, some of the things that are happening. And so when they 
you know, when they might be describing something or like working through, you know, an emotion or something like that, you know, they, they know that it's like, you know, that's absolutely their experience. And, and the whole idea is not to, to just kind of like, you know, flatten it out and kind of make it, you know, not exist anymore. Right. Um, kind of the, the analogy that I give a lot is like, you know, when people have different things going on, like it's usually quite either sharp with like, you know, say a really heightened presentation, you know, they get really evocative, they get really, you know, triggered or something like that, right? Very distressing where other people where they have like, you know, depression and, you know, just really, you know, kind of withdrawn or low moods. And so sometimes it's really, really animated mm -hmm. like this, right? And so the whole idea is being able to sort of soften the line mm -hmm. a little bit, right? And so we don't, we don't, you know, want to just I don't know, make everybody all the same kind of mm -hmm. thing, right, too, but to be able to give people, you know, tools, right, at, at whichever, you know, in whatever way and, and strategies and, you know, their own personal competencies to be able to navigate and manage, right, and, and you know, regulate themselves, take care of their body, take care of what's happening in their system. Um, and another, another thing I learned a long time ago, like one of my um, clinical placements was working with individuals with borderline personality disorder. Um, it's a form of therapy called dialectical behavioral therapy. And like oftentimes those, those individuals have, you know, massive trauma histories, a lot of, you know, kind of behavioral stuff going on. And, and they're, supposedly they're really difficult to manage in therapy, but I loved working with them. Awesome. So, um, and, and the, the, the theory, and this is, I think something that can be applied in so many contexts is like when somebody's talking about something really difficult and like overwhelming or just you know kind of their typical kind of thing it's it's two things you want to validate it mm -hmm. for sure right because if we don't get that validation and understanding and feeling like yeah this this happened and like wow that's like you know really difficult it's really hard or whatever validate and change right so it's like okay yes that happened and you know i get you i see you but then and now how can we kind of lean into that a little bit more and be able to figure out you know how to look at things differently or what you can do as a as a person to be able to look at your role in how how things go around this these kind of dynamics right mm. um so part of it too is that i really like to work with people this is my bias <laughs> who have the ability to take that kind of responsibility and right. that's a really that's tricky because not everybody's there but you know when people can say holy shit, I know that I'm part of the problem. Like I know that my operating system is part of the thing and I want to be able to kind of like, you know, unpack that. Great. That is a great place to start. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, but, you know, I think the people that access, um, you know, private therapy might be different than say kind of the general population type of thing too, because they're really wanting to kind of dig into these pieces as opposed to just like, oh, it's, it's everybody else's fault. Right. <laughs> you know, so uh, so it's a bit tricky, right, too, because um, we also know, too, that, you know, the environments that we're in and the, you know, society that we're in and things like that obviously affect the individual experience. So mm -hmm. it's such a it's such a um, complicated relationship and layering that I find so interesting, because right now I do see such a focus on the system and the external that does need to change. And I'm not saying like there aren't aspects of the system that need to change. They absolutely do. But fundamentally within one's life, one's change can only come from one human, like with the proper support. And then that was another thing I often found interesting. Like I'd say to friends, well, did you try counseling? And they're like, oh, I tried a counselor once and it's not for me. And like, my mind is like, well, did you date once and it wasn't for you? So you never date again? 
<laughs> like it's like it's a relationship that some people are good fits for other people and I feel like that's kind of a weird misconception when it comes to getting counseling or seeking help from somebody that they like tried it once and then nope I can't do that again oh absolutely right you know too and and uh yeah I mean there's lots of things I think where people say oh you know I did that once and I'll never do you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh it, it is like and, and one of the things that we know about um, therapy is, you know, the, the outcomes, the, the potential growth, the, uh, you know, sort of the, the positive indicators, you know, around uh, facilitating change. Uh, a lot of the variable comes from the connection with the, between the, the help seeker and, and the helper, okay. right? So if you don't have that, um, um, you know, kind of relationship, it's called working alliance when you study these things, mm. right? You have to have this alliance and kind of feeling like you, you know, you get it. There's sort of an agreed, like, what are we working on? How are we doing this? Is this working, you know, as things proceed? And, and just sort of like, a, uh, you know, the ability to be transparent and vulnerable. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, you know, sometimes I'll hear, Oh, I went somewhere and I didn't really like them. I didn't feel I could tell them this stuff or whatever. And I'm like, or, or they, they, they kept part of themselves hidden or they just felt like it was like kind of overly clinical or, or it was just, they were getting all the same, you know, it was just this, um, you know, somebody was looking in a textbook and just kind of reading them out with the, you right. know, like something like yeah. that, very Im- impersonal. So I feel like the things that people are often looking for too, and you can say this probably definitely, you know, beyond therapy too is, um, they want to be seen, they want to be understood, they want to feel a connection, they want to, you know, know that they're not the only person that's, you know, kind of going through this experience. Um, and, and they want to be believed, right. and they want to feel like, you know, that it's, that it's, uh, it's possible to, to move and grow from the place, the place that they're in, they want to be able to have some hope, right. And so if those things aren't happening, I can see why people would be like, eh. yeah, <laughs> you know, like, um and, and it is it's absolutely a fit you know like uh, you know I see a lot of people that are in the um I'd say non-conservative you know community the artist community yeah. the festival community the burning man community the psychedelic community the um you know alternative relationship poly lgbtq queer community like those are my people right, right? and so um I think sometimes two people want to find somebody where they feel like they you know, understand, you know, a, a lifestyle or a belief system, or whatever, that it's not so, you know, weird to be able to tell another person. Right. So. Right. Well, and I think that's a question and I, I'm not sure if you posed this on your Facebook a while ago, um, or if someone else did, I have a feeling it was you, but it was kind of the question of like, does someone need to have gone through a similar thing to actually be able to show up and help somebody go through that thing? Like people who, um, rape is the one that's coming to my mind. Like people who have never been raped, are they going to be able to help somebody truly integrate that experience when to know what that feels like, isn't actually there. And I I wonder, yeah, just like your perspective on that. Yeah, that's a really good question. It comes up a lot in, you know, all kinds of helping professions and things like that. And also I think even in, you know, current, you know, kind of discourse right now about like, you know, if you, if you don't, if you're not in this group, can you help the people in that group? Right. right. Like, um, so yeah, I think it's a good question. Like, is it the kind of thing, you know, is it, uh, you know, and I, I wouldn't say necessarily that, you know, somebody has to go through something because every 
individual experience is so variant, you know, just because somebody had this happen, somebody had a particular trauma happen, doesn't matter what it was, if it was, you know, um, you know, some kind of abuse or assault or, you know, some, some sort of, you know, variety of traumatic incident. What we know about trauma is it's not just about, um, the act that happens kind of like the external definition it's how it's interpreted right. internally in that person's system it's how they see it it's it's the resources that they have uh, in themselves or around them you know in terms of uh, you know some kind of support that totally affects how trauma is contextualized mm -hmm. right and so there's so many variables to that and so to compare one person's experience against another there's so right. much variety in there i think too and you know, I think when people are looking for, um, you know, support, it's like, you know, the things that they're looking for isn't necessarily, do you have the exact same story as me? Mm -hmm. But, you know, is there compassion? Is there empathy? Is there understanding? Do, do, do I feel like I'm being, you know, held, supported, you know, backed up, believed? Um, and, and can the other person kind of handle it, I guess, right. you know, like, do they have the capacity to hold, you know, somebody else's suffering and, and be able to kind of stay with it as opposed to like, no, I'm, I'm out of here. This is this, I don't understand this, or I can't work with this or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's just my, my bias. No, I, I completely agree with that because the other side of that sometimes is perhaps when you are going to somebody who does have a similar trauma to you, it becomes like mutually triggering. And then that person can't actually hold space because it actually starts to trigger their own trauma rather than somebody who maybe hasn't had that, who can just sit in complete capacity and compassion. Um, and, and I've, I actually had it once the second time I went to a counselor, I went to a counselor when I was 12 and it didn't work out very well. And then I went to a counselor, like a walk-in thing when I was 19, cause my friends basically looked at me and was like, you need to go see somebody. Um, and I like went, I like did my whole spiel of like what I was dealing with. And I have so much respect for this counselor, even though it like totally harmed me at the time. Um, she looked me square in the eye and she said, this is beyond my capacity. I was 19 and she was just like, I, I don't have any ability to understand what you've gone through. Um, and I encourage you to please find somebody who can help you. Um, I think she may have given me resources. I was in the, under the belief that I was so fucked up at that point that like a counselor can't even help me is like what went through my mind. I was 19 and I was like deep, deep, deep depression. Um, <laughs> but I still have so much respect for that counselor because she didn't try to help me when she knew she couldn't. And I think that long-term would have done more damage. Um, and I think that might be sometimes when people have these bad situations is they have somebody who's like, yeah, I can help them when they really can't. Um, but how do you, have you ever had that happen to you where you're just like, I can't hold that with you or. Oh yeah. Well, that's such a, like, oh, so many things come to my mind about that. Um, one of the, like the biggest tenets of any, you know, clinical or professional work is don't practice outside of your scope. So, you know, stay within your area of expertise, competency, you know, if, and, and that is like, that is an ethical practice. Mm -hmm. if, if something comes in and it's like, whoa, this is, this is not my area of familiarity, or I, I don't have, you know, somebody that wants you to do uh, something that you're not, you know, uh, trained in mm -hmm. or well-versed in. Absolutely. That is the right thing to do, but also, you know, sometimes, and this is just also from, you know, working, with lots of people over over the you know the 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 while too is um one of 
it's such a, I don't want to say this, complex and very personal um, thing where like, of course, when somebody comes in, you know, um, and, and what you described there too, like if somebody's like, if a, a helper is getting really triggered and like overwhelmed, like for sure that happens, right? But we also hope that if you're, if you're offering a particular level of service, that you have done enough of your own work to be able to still hang out with, you know, various stories and situations and people that it's not going to overwhelm you and cause you to like, you know, kind of go, you know, backwards or something like that. But it happens, mm -hmm. right? Like it happens with very, all kinds of levels of people, right? Um, where somebody might have a, like a, a, a something that's, you know, kind of similar or reminding or something like that. And it's a, a big skill that is not talked about very often where, and I've talked to people about this lots, um, like in more kind of like mentoring and supervision mm -hmm. situations where it's like, what do you do as a helper, as a professional, as a therapist, as a whatever, when in the moment, you know, you're helping somebody and that starts to happen, you know, and, and you're, you're kind of like, oh, this is familiar or something like that, right? Like in, in the moment, how do you manage yourself? Because it might not always be appropriate to say, oh, this is really similar to my, something. I don't know what happened with my mom or my dad or my sister or something like that, right? Like, how do you, you know, what, what point are you ready to be able to meet people with that come in with who knows what, who knows what you're going to get sometimes, right? Um, but yeah, for sure, it's a really common thing. It's happened to me lots, you know, over the years, for sure, where um, something will just not be a, a fit, you know, either in terms of where somebody's at often, like there's not often, cause usually I get a lot of um, word of mouth and community referrals right. and, and people that, you know, are kind of showing up ready to kind of, you know, work on their stuff, I guess, right? But if, if not, if there's some sort of other expectation or, you know, they, they want things done a particular way or they're not, um, you know, sort of interested in, you know, kind of working in the, the way that I work. And, and usually what I try to do too, it's not like, Here's the way I work. You got to fit into my box. It's like, how do I mobilize myself to be able to kind of wrap around and understand somebody else? But that's not always 100%. I would say like it's it's few cases, but you know, then ethically and you know, in terms of you know having good practice, you know, I I say, you know, I, I don't think I'm a fit for you, and you know, here's some other resources kind of thing right too but I, I wouldn't do that in the first five minutes of of talking to somebody necessarily usually I try to find out a bit more about yeah. you know what what they want and kind of their understanding of what's happening and right. and um, I think another really big thing too is being able to um, I think in all you know professions and or even even with like you know friends or you know anybody you know um, peer support you know we have to consult. We have yeah. to be able to talk about, oh, I was supporting this person and, um, you know, this other, the stuff came up for me and, you know, it really, you know, caused me to wonder about my own story or something, right? Like that is absolutely the kind of thing why we have, you know, consultation, why we have, you know, support networks as helpers right. because, you know, stuff still can kind of, you know, trickle out. Yeah. And in, in the situation I'm talking about, like it was, um, it was like a walk-in center at the university I was at. I think they're used to having people come in for with like, I'm overly stressed or something like that. And I came in with like, I don't believe my family loves me. And I think my sister is more like, I, I had like all these complexes based on like, I have a twin sister with a disability that just the way I grew up was very different than any, like all my friends growing up couldn't understand my situation. Cause it was just so 
so different, you know? Um, and, and, and it was funny because she was actually training somebody. Like it was probably a woman in her, in her, her about 50s, 60s, who also had like a, a student counselor there. The student counselor was like this afterwards. <laughs> and, and the, and the other lady, like, I, like I said, she just, she just, she told me I was brave for coming in. She like, she did do what I believe to be correct. Um, but, and that's where I just want to, like, all I'm saying here is for people who are listening, if that's your first experience, just try another one like that. You just have yeah. to try another yeah. one because I did yeah. eventually go back to somebody who, um, I didn't want to go to at first because she knew my family really well, but that ended up being exactly what I needed because she knew the dynamics that she was working with rather than me having to catch somebody up for six months in the dynamics that she was working with. So it ended up being, and, and that's just how it goes. You know, you have to find somebody who can relate and understand you. Absolutely. Right. It's kind of like going to, I don't know, a secondhand shoe store. Maybe that's not the best analogy. And just being like, seeing the first thing that, ah, those probably will fit me. And then just being like, you know, right. Like it's like trying something on that's So like, it's such a personal fit. Right. But I think, you know, also what you're talking about is like, I can just imagine in that situation, like, I don't know, maybe there's, this is the thing that I always want to remember too. And I remember, um, you know, this was instilled in me, you know, way back when I first started working at, you know, at like a family and community services agency. Sometimes we only get one shot mm -hmm. as helpers, right? Like how we meet somebody like at the door, at our, in our office, how we sit, how we, like if somebody's just walking in for the first time, there's a tremendous weight mm -hmm. in that, right? Too, because um, that can really affect, um, you know, somebody's potential, like, trajectory of how they access things forever right <laughs> right and and so you know and, but people are rushed and people are this and they're maybe they have a student or maybe they haven't eaten lunch yet or you know like they're still humans right. right but I think it really takes a lot of skill of like being present as as much as possible hopefully always um and then you know and, and helping like you know I think the you know we call it, you know, like when we're making referrals and things like that, you know, to be able to have this, um, this warm handoff, right? So it's like somebody isn't just like, you know, handed a brochure and saying like, good luck, you know, I hope you find something, okay. but like how, like to really take responsibility and making sure, because I've, I've seen that too, right? Where, um, you know, and even in, you know, other health systems, you know, there's kind of that philosophy too, like, if you, if somebody shows up, especially when they are in a, you know, more, you know, difficult state, you know, you should really help them open all the doors. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, uh, and I think it's just, it's kind of a, a call to, you know, all kinds of helping professions, right. Where it's like, you know, do like do a good job at making sure that somebody finds that fit, right. you know, and, but not everybody does for various reasons, mm -hmm. right. Too. And, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think that's really great advice too, right? Like just to, just to keep looking and like keep asking questions and, you know, it is, it is kind of hard slogging sometimes to, you know, be able to find, um, uh, you know, various different professionals and stuff like that. I've, I've found that too, like, you know, even just, uh, you know, looking for services myself, you know, for my family, cause I'm super picky right? right. You know, too, right? Uh, I want, I want somebody that's going to align with, um, you know, kind of my philosophy and can offer something that, um, you know, I'm, I feel like is, is really, you know, going to be of value and, you know, they have a lot of experience and things like that too. Right. And sometimes it's hard to find. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it takes work like anything, like 
it's a relationship being built and every relationship that is going to be built, whether it's a coworker or a boyfriend or girlfriend or anything like it's going to take work to establish it. And I think that's the hardest place is when we reach that end zone of our capacity, thinking of working towards more is like, I'm already like at my wits end type thing. And that's comes back to earlier. Like if we could get people to maybe, and maybe that's like an education piece that we need to start bringing in and how we talk about um, even mental illness. Sometimes even the word mental illness to me um, kind of bogs, gets me bogged down because like you said earlier, sometimes it's not necessarily an illness, it's an adaptation. It's something that came in that doesn't mean something is wrong with you, but we still need to re-navigate it to be, make your world more functional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, yeah, I, I, I tend to not, I don't like the Ill, mental illness um, terminology. I just find it's very medicalized yeah. and very pathologized, even though like that's the world I work in type of thing. Right. Too. And uh, just because there's, you know, you know, labels and diagnostics and things like that too. I'm always like, well, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like what happened to that person? And like, you know, like I, I want to know the story kind of underneath. Uh, I don't want to know, you know, just the, the label or the, the, the DSM reality, or, you know, somebody's you know medication re- regime or something like that. Right. I'm just like, what, what's, how did this all, how did this all kind of work out? You know? So you ever find that, that like, uh, I, I have such a kind of undecided relationship around diagnoses because I think sometimes Um, like I remember for myself, like I I was depressed and I was depressed. And then like, I remember about like three, four years into me trying to not be depressed. It was like, I actually had to let go of being depressed. Like, it's like, I became identified by the diagnosis that then that becomes a work of like releasing that identity to move into like, I can be happy and I can not be depressed or I can feel depression and not be depressed sometimes and like navigating those yeah. upswings. And I do find sometimes like, I, I know people who their world revolves around the diagnoses that they have and that becomes their identity. And I, I can imagine yeah. working with people that that would be a really hard place to transform. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I guess it depends also to what context and what system, you know, that, that a person's working Mm. in kind of thing too, because um, I'm not as sort of diagnostic focused, you know, I get people to, you know, we do an intake and, you know, we talk about kind of whatever's coming up, but, you know, even something like, you know, depression or anxiety, or even, you know, like um, borderline or, or bipolar or you know OCD or anything like that too it's like like there's so much underneath those things you know and and when we're sort of unpacking those things and trying to um you know build more capacity I guess um you know in a in a therapeutic context right it's sort of like um yeah and, and that does come up for people often too where it's like you know if if I'm not this anymore um then then if I don't have this way of being, even if it's maladaptive, mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that mean? Like what's outside of that? Like if this goes away and that's the part I think where the, like the ego wants to hang on to, you know, some of those narratives, some of those understandings of being in the world, but right? it's like, well, this is my, this is my thing. And even though it's like, not, you know, functional, it's, it's not the, the, yeah, it's not functional. It's like, well, but then 
it's scary if there's something else like because they don't know what that mm-hmm. is right and so so oftentimes it's it's you know helping you know if if you if you take something away if you sort of take away and this is also really common for addictions work mm-hmm. right it's like we know that some of those um addictive you know not even choices addictive you know Behaviors. strategies that that people have right and and those are taken away we can't just say oh you got to stop you know using whatever right and and that's it it's like well what something else has to be put in place for for that person to know how to just like get up and be in the world and manage themselves right um but i find that it's like you know i think societally that we're just not really good at um developing in you know humans at whatever age and stage like hey this is how you can manage yourself and this is how you can like be in your body and like it's okay to you know kind of check in here and and it's okay to face things and it's okay to you know not just sort of suck it up and like you can be in tune with things and you know it's okay to not know and Mm -hmm. you know we all struggling with this like you know nobody's ever perfect at this it's always like a work in progress Mm -hmm. you know um i just think a lot of those you know kind of messages aren't always aren't always given and a lot of people that i you know have seen and you know even like you know i just think lots of people i know personally things like that it's like you know a lot of us we didn't we didn't get the you know the tools and strategies and kind of the you know the environment the optimal environment sort of thing right i mean most people don't i don't know if anybody has a 110% you know you know environment to grow up in right so and then they get to a point where they realize like oh wow like how do i how do i get these things now how do i learn these things how do i manage myself how do i be in relationship you know now that i'm whatever 20 you know 30 40 mm-hmm. whatever age mm-hmm. kind of thing right you know, how do I develop that, you know? So, so I think that's a lot of the work is like, um, you know, and nobody generally figures that out on their own. Right. And I think that's going back to the, you know, being okay with the, you know, the stigma and and the vulnerability and, you know, having to be, you know, brave enough to say, oh, you know, like who else, who else, who else is is struggling with this or how do I, you know, Mm -hmm. what's everybody else's experience with this? And like, then just like, the richness that comes with, you know, when that, you know, some kind of community, um, you know, forms because people are just trying to support each other. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I, I heard some, like a guy once was talking about in a restaurant I worked at how he doesn't really see the need for a psychologist because he'll just go to a friend and he was younger. And I was like, you know, that's, and he, he was somebody who had like a lot of his stuff together. So I'm not negating that that's likely true, but I do think sometimes um, our friends can be part of the problem. Like our friends can be part of what's actually perpetuating our cycles while making it okay for us to do that. When it's really sometimes a shift in friendship or just a shift in, in the dynamic of the friendship that needs to happen and stuff that that part becomes really scary when you go to start changing who you are is, is, or how you, not necessarily who you are, because I don't really think we can change too, too much of who we are, but how we relate to the world um, is the changes, the other societal changes, um, particularly in the relationships around us that also change. And it can feel, that part can feel really isolating. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And that happens a lot, a lot, a lot. That's like very, like, I would say the same exact scenario that for a lot of people that, uh, 
that I've spoke with, but with their families right. too, right? And and so because the 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 family system operates in the same way, where it's like, you know, we're going to keep you kind of doing the same thing because we have to keep doing that in order to to main, maintain this, you know, often like you know maybe not as healthy system, right? Mm-hmm. And so when when somebody in that system deviates from that, it's kind of a threat to that other system, right. that pre-existing system. And so people really struggle with that often too. Like when, you know, it's funny, I've had multiple conversations even the last little while with people about what is that like when you, you know, say, you know, you're working on things and it seems you're on a different track than your, you know, your peer group or like your family, you know, your family of origin, whatever type of thing, right? Um, And then you have to go back into that system, you know, sometimes regularly and try to kind of rise above that or you know just kind of get through it and you know there's kind of the 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 risk of being pulled back into some old ways of being right and and um you know people really have to work on you know boundaries and just being able to take care of themselves you know really you know strongly i guess right to be able to 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 still you know create a bit of a distance from some of that stuff that they can kind of get pulled into right and um, but it's, tr- it's tricky when it's, you know, really close relationships and things like that too, right? And oftentimes, yeah, people will have to have, you know, different boundaries or distance from, mm-hmm. you know, it could be, you know, unhealthy relationship or it could be, you know, just family patterns or it could be even like having to leave a job mm-hmm. because the dynamics and the, the kind of culture, you know, is just very, you know, it's unhelpful or toxic or, you know, just really not serving, you know, the person anymore, right? So I think for sure there is that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like a bigger system, you know, for sure too. Um, And I think, you know, with, with friends and things like that, and and even just, you know, what's necessary for supports, like, yeah, I think for sure, like, you know, for people to find the right, the right, you know, kind of community or finding their people or finding their, you know, just like a place where they feel like they can be themselves and they can be accepted. Um, And what we know too is, you know, maybe somebody has to access formal professional supports and or informal supports, right? And so I see that as really important. It's not just about, you know, going to a therapist once every couple of weeks or going to a program or something like that, but then also in all of those other, you know, waking life hours, okay. how how else, how are those those things kind of being matched and met, right? And and maybe it's not just the friends and the and the family and community. At what point does somebody have to maybe kind of say, oh, you know what, this is beyond you know, the help of the people that I, that I know kind of in my, you know, just my life network type of thing. Right. So, and I I think both of those things are necessary for, for somebody to maybe, uh, you know, move through whatever it is as, as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. Um, and I'm curious, how you got into psychedelic work. Cause that's the other aspect that I know we're both super into the whole psychedelic world. And, um, and I'm always curious what people's first introduction was and how, yeah, how you kind of work with them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and that's definitely something that I'm not, you know, I'm not, not out. Of right. So, um, so yeah, when I was in my undergrad and studying, you know, psychology, sociology, all the things about, you know, change and supporting people in systems. Um, I was, you know, whatever, 19, 20, 21, um, kind of in that age where people are, you know, experimenting and, and things like that. 
Um, and so I, I kind of was introduced or part of the, um, the music community, the electronic scene um, and, you know, festivals, you know, eventually went to Burning Man, things like that too. So I kind of got quite involved in, in that because it was interesting and fun mm -hmm. and, you know, just liking the music and of course, experimentation and, you know, kind of trying things out was happening, you know, for me at that time too, which is, you know, that's common kind of a normal thing too. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I was really, you know, kind of interested in, um, you know, what it was all about. Cause I'd never, I'd never done any substances when I was like, even in like, you know, high school or anything yeah. like that. I think I s smoked weed like a couple times and I was like, that's so not, you know, me, but I was always the kind of person that was really like, kind of curious about like, you know, just, you know, consciousness expansion mm -hmm. and just like, you know, taking a look at things kind of from a more, you know, existential perspective. And so when I, you know, had for my own personal experience, you know, trying, you know, different things, definitely in more in a, in a you know, kind of party situation, it was fun and it felt good. Um, but it also was really interesting. Like it was, I was like, wow, what's, what are, what are, what are all these, you know, you know, at the time I didn't have these words to it, right? But just non-ordinary state experiences. And then um, I also started studying, you know, psychology at the same time. And then I also found like, you know, hey, this isn't, you know, there's there's been, you know, things that have been studied about this, you know, around the intersection between um, non-ordinary state experience and, and psychedelic work with, you know, healing and growth and, you know, psychiatry and psychology and, and, and shamanism and all those kinds of things and uh, so I just really because I also felt too that like I started to look at things in myself my all those things that we've been talking about like my my beliefs my perceptions my understandings my vulnerabilities all my stuff <laughs> was like I could look at it in a different right. way and I could have a bit of a distance with it and it was like whoa like this is you know it's been a huge thing that's helped me um, you know, heal and grow and like face things and, and, you know, just understand things from a different perspective, you know, it's absolutely been therapeutic for mm -hmm. me, you know, and, and so it's, I've had this long relationship with, you know, kind of the presence of, of that and, and not just, you know, medicine work, but also the work kind of in the context of, you know, being with other people that are helping and not, you know, not just completely recreational recreational but mm -hmm. I think also recreational has therapeutic elements mm -hmm. as well too um yeah so it so it came from I definitely came from kind of a more recreational you know background with it but then it kind of merged into this other you know and now you know very much you know I'm in, involved in um you know kind of uh helping advocate educate um you know help people decide if um, you know, that form of, of deeper work is something that is, um, is, is for them, you know, so, um, you know, having those kind of conversations and, and a lot of the kind of community mobilization work that's happening in Alberta about even looking at, um, you know, legalizing and, you know, bringing those things so they can actually be used as, as proper tools, like, you know, legal tools right. in medicine and, and mental health. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a feeling a lot of people, especially now, it'll likely change as legality changes, but that most people kind of do start in that kind of recreational, playful um, state. And, and actually, for me, the playful state was what I needed. Like, I had been so serious for so much of my life. Um, if I had done it in a more clinical setting, I don't know it would have actually helped me. It was actually letting go 
into just the experience of play and joy, um, specifically with psilocybin that, um, that, that I, I say is probably one of the other major aspects to healing depression for me. Like I'd, I'd done a lot of the therapy work, but the actual lifting and, and I had gone on site on, um, antidepressants for about a year. I had done that. Um, and they're just different. Like I found, I found the happiness I reached with psilocybin didn't have such a chemical feel in my head. It felt more experiential. Whereas the um, antidepressant, what I attribute it to is I had been in such a state of not even understanding what happiness was. The antidepressant got me to a level of like what I needed to learn how to achieve. Um, but I didn't like the, the chemical feel of it. Like for me anyway, I'm quite a sensitive, pretty in tune person with myself. So, um, whereas when I was on psilocybin, it was like, Oh, I actually feel this. And, and I just remember like doing it with a friend at, at a party and just like a couple of times. And then, and then I stopped doing them for a while because I think there becomes a point when the playful recreation becomes less helpful perhaps. And then you do kind of have to switch the relationship into more of one of reverence and, um, and, and intention, you know? Um, and I know that you do a lot of educational work on that in, in like set and setting and all that. And I wondered if that's something you would just speak to a little bit and how you go about, um, helping people understand the complexity of working with psychedelics. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's it. Well, yeah, and I think what's happening now, you know, is is because there's so much, there's so much interest. There's this giant resurgence, you know, research and papers coming out the yin yang. Like I, you know, can't, you can't one person can't keep up mm-hmm. with all the things that are happening. There's also a huge movement around the um, professionalization, commercialization, and medicalization of right. this whole field too, right? Which is a huge topic in the. Uh, the psychedelic psychotherapist community, right? Like, how do we, how do we, you know, not make mistakes of the past? How do we do this, you know, together? How do we do this um, safely? Um, And that's a really big thing, you know, and I think, um, you know, I get inquiries all the time uh, for people, uh, from people that are kind of like, oh, I heard about this, or I, you know, I read this book or this article type of thing. And, you know, I want to know kind of if it's, if it's for me. And, and, and it's, it's kind of this double-edged sword, right. right? Because it's like, on one hand, I know that for a lot of people, I mean, for me, you know, a lot of people I know, you know, it, it is, you know, like you say, it's been this really big gift, mm-hmm. you know, this amazing opportunity, you know, this, this way of accessing things that other things maybe haven't worked in the same way, mm-hmm. right? Um, like you talked about the difference between how, you know, um, uh, medication um, and and you know psychedelic medicines. I mean, they work very very differently, right? right? And and just around how how to be able to to look at things even. Um, but I think the danger of it, it too is like, and I think I mean I have conversations with people about this all the time. Is you know it might not be for everybody, mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot of you know safety and and you know people being really informed about what might happen. Um, so it's kind of like, yeah, this could be amazing. And, you know, there's lots of, you know, hope and possibilities of it. And it's also, um, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a magic bullet. It's not a, you know, a a cure in a bottle. It's not a, you know, take this once and you're better kind of thing too. Cause I think in our society, often we're so used to like 
do this thing. It'll make you feel better right away. And like, you know, just escape all of your troubles. And like, you know, this magic thing will <laughs> happen where you can get away from, you know, and it's, it's not, it's like, you know, it's what we often talk to about like the need for integration and support and, you know, just because you've had an experience that, you know, maybe somebody, you know, has a, a psychedelic experience in whatever context, then it's like, you know, yeah, for sure, you know, you can have fun and like play and enjoy it, you know, that should be part of it too, not just all this like mm -hmm. heavy work, right? Mm -hmm. But then also like if you're, if you're having this as a practice for your own, you know, well-being, you know, then, then how are you continuing to encourage yourself to make changes too and to, and to look at things, right? Um, and I think, uh, um, you know, just being able to make sure that, that people have the, have the support right. in, in knowing if it's kind of like the, the right thing. Because one, one of the things that, um, you know, and I have, you know, lots of colleagues that I consult with about this all the time too. And, and if somebody's looking at doing this or, you know, somebody's thinking about sitting with a friend or sitting with a partner or going to a, well, whenever things are possible to meet in person, like right. to go to a therapist, even about this or, or a, a shaman or whatever, right? If you're going to break open somebody's psyche, <laughs> right? And like, so, and if people, you know, just kind of say a little bit more about that, right? What, what psychedelics do is they help open up kind of the the, the boundaries and some of the, like the armor that we have to be able to protect ourselves. And so working with people need to know what that's going to be like in terms of their own vulnerability, a lot of things that might come out and up um, that they, they don't even know that it's there maybe necessarily, you know, there's a lot of rawness, there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of physical stuff mm -hmm. that can happen too. And just to, to know that, you know, like, wow, how, how, how does somebody need to be supported in that? Or like, are people comfortable with that? And, um, you know, I've had some people where they, you know, said like, oh, you know, I, would you, would you do this with me, you know, as a, you know, either, you know, friend, helper or a professional kind of thing too. And, and my response back is like, well, no, none of us should be answering that question right away yes. because that's like the most personal thing that anybody could ask me. I align it to somebody asking me, Will you be present while I'm giving birth, having sex, going to the bathroom, dying? Those right. kind of like the, those those very personal pieces, right? So it's like, do you want me around when those things are happening, right? And we need to have going back to relationship, right? We need to have, you know, some kind of alliance and and knowing um, that that feeling of trust and openness and like, is it okay to go there and if this thing comes up and out, you know, how do we respond to that? How do you want to be supported? Right. So it's so, so personal and so um, intimate. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my bias. That's how I, how I see yeah. this. Um, and I think some of the um, difficulties that happen when that's not um, understood or maybe held in a respectful, mm -hmm. safe way, that's when, and not that, you know, having a bad experience or I, I never use that term, but like yeah. having a challenging or a difficult experience is sometimes that's just what happens. Right. right. But more of those crisis experiences happen with the lack of a, a fully supportive kind of contained environment right. for sure. Right. <laughs> so no, I went, I, I absolutely agree with you. There was a time when, um, actually one of like the, when I first did ayahuasca, I just remember coming home to my parents and like, and this is another caution that I would tell people is like, 
you're going to have gone through this whole transformation. The people around you didn't. And then like, I went to my parents and I was just like, oh my God, I understand, blah, 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 blah. And I think they honestly, like, other than the fact that they know me pretty well at this point and they know like, I'm like, I, I, I'd already been doing some psychedelics and I'm pretty transparent with them. And so, but I I could just see their kind of faces like of like fear and like, what the hell is she having like an unraveling? Is she having a psychotic break type idea when it's like, it's not really, I mean, that can happen. And that's a, that's a thing that people need to be aware of that psychedelics can they're not for everybody, but I did have this belief when I first did ayahuasca that everybody just needs to do this. And it was like, this, like everybody. And I was like trying to convince my parents to do it. And like all these people. And then I went back a few more times. And I remember I came out on like my fourth or fifth time. And I was just like, this is not for everybody. This is, this is, it isn't (laughs) because some people, um, some people I think just aren't ready. Some people don't have the tools um, of self-reflection and the tools of working through this. Some people just like to live their life and do their thing. And for those people breaking their world wide open, I don't even know if that would be a benefit True, truly. Yeah. And that's why, you know, it's a huge thing, you know, that's, that's kind of coming up right now, kind of in, you know, again, in the, the field is, you know, um, what, what do people need? Cause oftentimes it's like, you know, because we have this very, um, myopic view of healing. It's like, it's coming down to the individual, mm-hmm. right? So the individual wants to be able to, I don't know, access psilocybin assisted therapy or something mm-hmm. like that. Giving that individual that experience without those other pieces of tools, connection, support, community, integration, pre-post is not, uh, it can be okay, right? Like depending on the, the individual, but you know, I think that's that's the one thing that that also is this really interesting um, uh, shift. I think you know, being somebody that is uh, you know questioning about the the efficacy mm-hmm. of um, you know psychedelic assisted work, we can't just look at it from the the Western <laughs> you know really you know kind of medical biomedical lens. Right. It has to be how do we do this in a more, you know, and, and I, I think, you know, also too the, all the things, the lessons that we need to have from, you know, all of the indigenous communities that have come before us, that it's like, it's not about just, you know, this one experience, it's about the community being part of the medicine as well. Right. And I think that's also the danger right now for a lot of the corporatization that's happening in the field too is like seeing it as this like (laughs) kind of oil change experience we can just go in and get a little fix and then you can come out and like you could do it on your lunch break (laughs) and uh a a lot of us are not in favor of that way of of uh you know seeing the work because we know that it has to be you know more um more holistic you know in terms of what a person you know kind of has sort of surrounding them in their life right and so i think it's also a call to um, individuals and communities and professions and society to like, how do we shift to support each other better? Right. Right. It's, and I think that's, you know, when you, when you ask me about this and talking about like the individual in the environment, you can't look at that any individual without the context of all the, you know, the, the macro happening around them. Right. Like, and, and cause it's not just that that person's fault right on their own. It's like, they're part of this bigger, thing right in terms of how you know why why that's happened kind of you know from a from a societal cultural um you know environmental context so and this might and if you can't like this might just be a really hard question to answer but um 
how would you help somebody figure out if it is for them or not? And like, and then if, if psychedelics A is for them and then also which psychedelic, because they all work slightly differently and help do like, like I use different ones for different means, you know what I mean? And I, I've established relationships with them, um, over like a decade, but like someone who was coming to you and like, Hey, I'm really interested though. I guess maybe they would probably come to you. I'm interested in said psychedelic, probably more than just psychedelics in general. Um, but how, yeah, like how would you help somebody figure out if that is really the right step for them? Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. And I know you mentioned too, about like, you know, just talking about like set and setting to, you know, and just having people understand. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about, right. Too, like all the things that somebody's coming in with, and so sometimes I'll just ask, like, you know, tell, you know, and it's not just like somebody I would ever, you know, say, oh, I can tell you this thing in, you know, 10 minutes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whether this is good. Um, the way that I work is like developing, a, you know, if somebody's willing to, to work, you know, in, in, in connection and, and um, you know, have some conversations and like sort of figuring out what they're, um, you know, what they've worked on, what their understanding, like their, their awareness of their, their own insights, kind of some of the, the distance they've made between, you know, their, their difficulties or their traumas or their earlier life challenges and like where they're at now, like right. what, what sort of resources they have, like, that's a really big piece. Right. Um, and then also, um, you know, one of the, the big things is how, like what, how somebody can manage themselves and, and do they, do they have skills around like, let's say yoga or breath work or, um, you know, just some kind of movement or somatic sort of exercise, um, you know, can they, can they hang out in their body when there's a lot of stuff going on? Um, you know, when there's, you know, when there's a, you know, just psychedelic experience, or maybe they might be regressing, or they might be, you know, reliving some kind of memory or something like that, or they're having a very, you know, kind of cosmic consciousness experience, right? Um, they could be totally outside of their body, anything like that. Like I, so what, what I try to do is figure out their, their ability to, um, you know, just kind of stay within that and kind of try to, you know, use some tools or do they need a bunch of that sort of pre-work so they can be in that? Cause I think that's, that's the thing is like, um, so screening, that's what we're talking about really Mm -hmm. is being able to screen people. Cause there's not a lot of like some programs and some places are developing specific protocols. Um, you know, people that are doing clinical Mm -hmm. work, research work, that type of thing. Um, but it's a big thing right now, even in just in the field, I know we're talking about, like, I'm talking about kind of the more, um, supervised sort of, um, you know, approach, I guess, but we also know that, I mean, a lot of people will just, you know, try this at home or try it you know, with a partner or, you know, in a, in a less supervised um, way. So that's something that I've definitely, you know, talked to people about too, where they're like, I might want to do this with my, you know, partner or something like that too. And, and I've always, you know, sort of uh, promoted the idea of talking about like, what do you want to work on? And like, what if something comes up and how do you want that other person to respond to you? And like, you know, do you need somebody there to hold your hand? And like, you know, what if, you know, what, what's, what sort of, things will you do sort of in the moment um to be able to 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 use it as an opportunity i guess right too and and um you know yes we want to sort of prevent or avoid you know really really distressing experiences you know and and um um although you know sometimes people need to have something that's really really difficult and distressing that's just that's just part of it too like not to avoid that too right um 
but I, but I think like, that's the, that's a huge thing in the field right now is like, because there's so much interest about this and it's, it's not like you can just go and access the, you know, <laughs> Calgary psychedelic center, right. you know, come this weekend type of thing. Right. That, that people, you know, they've read a little bit, but they, it's, it's such a deep way of working with the self or you know working relationally or you know all the stuff that comes out I remember having this realization once about like because I used to do a lot of harm reduction work mm-hmm. like psychedelic harm reduction mm-hmm. work at festivals right um training and teaching and, and supervising those programs and I remember like as I started to learn this more I was like oh that's why we have so many people coming to <laughs> like the like the sanctuary like the safe spaces where they can be you know because they've had you know, some, some things happened where, you know, they've been on a substance and it's either like, you know, they've, they're, they're they feel afraid, yeah. like they feel unsafe yeah. or something's emerged or something happened even maybe while they were on it, like they had a fight with their partner yep. or, you know, they got injured or something like that, right. Or they got cold. Um, and so I was like, oh, no wonder this, this happens where there's these um, adverse, um, you know, really challenging crisis events right and sometimes where people will go into panics they'll dissociate they might get violent you know rare Mm -hmm. but it happens right and I was like oh because they're not it's not like they're bad people or they can't handle their drugs or something like that they've had a massive you know something's come out from something about them and they were totally not in the environment where that you know the right support was there they, you know, something happened and it scared them or that, you know, it just somebody else couldn't handle it. And now, you know, what we had to deal with then usually is like trying to create safety again so they could come back into their bodies or rest or, you know, not get in a loop about things or something like that. Right. And, and so I've seen all kinds of, you know, presentations of people that were, you know, in a, I guess, a <laughs> could be intentional, not, not as an intentional sort of a setting mm-hmm. where, they took it and expected that, um, you know, they would have, you know, maybe this nice experience where they could run around and listen to music and like, just kind of go off, but they got something very, very different. Right. And I would say most people, you know, that have used psychedelics in some way, shape or form have, have had an experience like that, maybe depending on the context where it was like, whoa, this one time I did this thing and this was the environment or this is what happened. And it was really scary and that was a very different um kind of an experience than than something that was um you know they probably learned something from Mm -hmm. it still too Mm -hmm. right they probably got something from it um I, i remember talking to people sometimes you know where i thought they were you know absolutely terrified and it was really difficult for them and then sometimes i'll talk to them afterwards and they said you know, it actually got a lot, I got a lot out of that. Mm-hmm. Like, even, even though it was a, a crisis, it wasn't a therapeutic, um, you know, setting necessarily, right. but they still were able to make something of it. I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting too, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, so I, I think that's, you know, definitely I'm big on the, you know, just people being, I don't know, you know, safe. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, uh, I think it's, nobody would want to necessarily write out their, you know, LSD experience, like at, you know, being checked into psych emerge or something like that, right? (laughs) Like, because what we know too, is our, you know, our, our system, like the other, um, you know, medical carers, most people have a hot clue about what's going on for somebody and just how to support it other than, you know, sometimes just giving them antipsychotics and 
just telling them it'll be over when it's over. Right. <laughs> so, well, and I think that you kind of touched on a point. So, so two things I kind of wanted to touch on is I think it's good for people to read about things before they do it. But I also am cautious of how much people do that because they do start to set up, um, an expectation of what they think it's going to be like when every single time you do it, it's going to be different. Like that's the, that's the phenomenal thing about psychedelics generally is it's going to be different every single time because it's meeting you in exactly where you're at, particularly in the environment that is around you. Cause you become very open to the, to experiencing what's around you. And, um, like I know, uh, before I did ayahuasca, I only read a couple things online and my very, and, and like, it was all very like, like, you're going to see all these things. And it was all this. And like, my first night was like subtle, like it was like super duper subtle and it wasn't anything like that. And like the, the ayahuascaros I sat with, like the next day I said, was something wrong with me or something? They're like, no, like that's, that's, it's actually more subtle more often than it is that explosion of lights and cr- yeah. <laughs> craziness that we tend to think about. Um, and I have had experience of that since. Um, but I do find that that, that level of expectation um, can sometimes actually be what creates the quote unquote bad trip is because they didn't get what they thought they wanted. Um, and then they're yeah. pushing away the experience they're actually within. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a saying where it's like, yeah, you don't you don't get the the trip you want, you get the trip you need. Right, sort of thing. right. Um, and and I think, you know, and I th- that's definitely something that that I spend uh, time talking to people about as well as is you know we're kind of coming back to that same uh, question of expectation too, right? Like really knowing that like you know there's no guarantee on somebody's experience, you know, and that you know that you'll you'll even face things or come up with some epiphany or something like that because you know this and you you said it before too it's it's a relationship it's like being able to you know it's not like a one and done like you might have to have a few or it could be like you know (laughs) a decade worth of you know like when you really look at like how change works and how you can connect uh, things you know in in different ways and and I think you know the the idea of you know you know, you have the, you know, this time to be able to, to look at things in whatever, you know, six hours or 10 hours or whatever it is in in a, in a psychedelic experience and to be able to, you know, just kind of go in and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready and I can, I can do this. I can go all the way in and then I can go all the way out afterwards Mm -hmm. too, right? Like to, to skillfully navigate through an altered state. It's, it's not like, where do people learn? (laughs) And so I think that's the other part too, where, you know, we're, I think in, again, in the field, we're really encouraging, you know, connections of people, you know, people making different, you know, pods and groups where they can, they can have sort of this collegiality of like, how did you do this? Or did this come up? Or like, you know, being able to talk about it afterwards, uh, you know, with people, I'm definitely seeing way more, um, you know, therapists, psychologists, you know, clinicians, whatever that, that have an interest in talking to clients about this. Mm. It's, you know, all the time I'm like, oh, who's this person? What are they doing? Um, you know, so I think there's more, you know, there will be more, you know, access to additional, like, you know, we talk about the, the wraparound of supports for people too. Um, yeah. And it's such a, such a big thing too. Like just, just, just what's the, what's the right, 
thing to be able to tell people. And yeah, I do say to people, yeah, there's absolutely no guarantee because, you know, if somebody says this is what's going to happen for you, <laughs> it's kind of a dangerous right. statement because, you know, we don't really know what could happen. And also even in the moment when you think as a, you know, as a person that's, um, you know, helping or observing or sitting or whatever you want to call it, sometimes you don't really know what's happening for that person, you know, in their experience. And, you know, you might find out later or you might not, mm -hmm. um, too, right. So, um, it's very, it's, it's, it's just something we, you know, I, we have to catch up with the, 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 the training and the information and the, um, you know, the, the level of, of, uh, that that's going to be needed because it's just exploding right now with people's interest to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm curious of your perspective and it's probably more of an opinion perspective, um, because of the medicalization route that it's likely going to take to become legalized. Cause that's what it does tend to take to become legalized. Um, I being quite spiritual in nature and quite spiritual in how I view the world. Um, I'm kind of not really looking forward to the extraction of like, we use psilocybin rather than mushrooms and we're going to use, um, like synthetic DMT rather than where it comes extracted from the animals and, and these kind of things that I, I do wonder if, if people are going to start to see, and, and I'm, I'm more wondering your opinion on that. Um, because while a molecule is the psychoactive part, the rest of the thing is part of the being is part of the, yeah. um, the way nature intended it right? That does play into the experience that I wonder um, what might be missed when we go such a clinical route. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, again, that's a, that's such a massive dialogue right now too, right? And because there, there's like, you know, there's something to be said around the, the safety of a controlled environment, mm -hmm. right? Like, um, but I just think like, you know, the idea of, I mean, there are clinics that are doing it. I mean, there's ketamine clinics, there's um, you know, places that are, you know, like, but other than, you know, kind of the, the research settings, but yeah, those, those, they're, they're a very controlled setup. Um, but also, you know, what we know too, from other research that's gone on when it's, you know, things that say, you know, have been very like clinical, um, like, let's say the, the route of administration was like, say intravenous or something like that, that absolutely affects, you know, people's experiences. Right. right? Um, and I, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, people kind of in the, um, the more, you know, shamanic underground um, therapist community that are, that are not, in, you know, in the, in that camp, like they would, they would rather, you know, prefer people to take, you know, the, um, the more, um, you know, the, the original form okay. of the medicine, right? That's also a very, you know, in, indigenous, you know, way of being not to, not to just extract something, you know, kind of too, because, you know, something might be missed. I remember seeing something a while ago where there's somebody that, you know, even somewhere in Alberta that they're like, oh, we're going to, we're going to take the, all, like some parts of the <laughs> psilocybin or psilocin molecule and, and just change it. So it so people will not have bad trips. And I'm like, how, it doesn't make any sense. Oh. It doesn't make, it makes no sense at all. Um, I don't even know how, cause it, it's not, that's not a molecular kind of a thing. That's like in the whole full 
experience and it's missing a giant part of the point where sometimes something that's quote unquote bad, you know, something that's difficult, something you don't want to face, something you're struggling with, that if that is missed in the in the the psychedelic journey, you're missing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're, you're kind of missing the whole yeah. thing, right? Like <laughs> I just want it to be this nice time. And, th- and that's what happens too. Like, you know, and sometimes people do have, I think a nice time, like they, you know, they listen to the music, they put their earphones and they lay down, um, you know, they're, they're just kind of enjoying and it can feel like just like, you know, maybe it, maybe there's some emotions, but it's, you know, it's kind of like riding a fun wave kind of thing. And, and there's absolutely therapeutic benefit to that. Um, you know, it might not be that, you know, really like fighting, gut wrenching, facing your demons, you know, kind of thing too. Right. Um, but it's all of that, right. you know, and I think that's the thing is like, you know, it's, it's kind of like mimicking life. Like it's like life is amazing and beautiful and like just, you know, existential ecstatic, um, you know, all different kinds of things like that, like where it's just, you know, fantastic, um, and then it's also like, you know, sometimes it's boring and sometimes it's mundane. Sorry, my dog is just going off right now. <laughs> um, and sometimes it's like absolutely horrible and, and horrifying and gut-wrenching and challenging and, you know, just, just you know, you know, difficult type of thing, right? Um, and so uh, I think it's like, has to be all of those kinds of things, right? So it's interesting. Cause that to me, that even that concept that we're just going to make it that people don't, okay, so yeah. Can I, can I just put, somebody is bringing my sure. doorbell like 50 times. Sure. We can can you just, just hang a yeah. sec. Okay. Thanks. Like 15 or 20 times. And all it, all it was, was a parcel drop off. I was like, dude, you can leave it. <laughs> <laughs> okay oh that's amazing I mean maybe because it's yeah. cold and snowing and they just wanted to look after you so I guess I guess so <laughs> um yeah. but all I was gonna say there is I find that so yeah I just find that so fascinating that people are even thinking about it in terms of like let's just change the molecule to eradicate that bad trip like if you take that on to the macrocosm of life that's saying let's just always live life in happiness that's the, like yeah it's yeah. like, it's like easy. It's, That's all, yeah. we can be yeah. easy, but the thing yeah. that people don't realize is the things that challenge us the most is a, what creates our character, what creates our ability to expand our capacity to, um, have build up our empathy and compassion. Like all the things that quote unquote harm us the most have the flip side of good. Like everything has good and bad in it. And, um, yeah. like it's, it's the Buddhist thing that suffering is inevitable. And people kind of get really like, I've heard people say that, oh, that's spiritual bypassing. It's like, no, not accepting that as spiritual bypassing. Yeah. Not accepting absolutely. the negative. Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I've, you know, I remember, you know, like saying that, you know, decades ago type of thing, right? Like mm-hmm. those, those really, you know, like when we have times where it's like, oh my God, how am I going to get through this? Like, how, how am I going to deal with this? I don't know if this is, you know, this, this is something that's so you know, challenging and, you know, costing all my resources, right? Like most of us would never necessarily want to go back and redo those experiences, but you bet that's what makes us who we are. That helps us develop our, you know, capacity to be able to grow. It, It shows us, you know, the distance that we can, that we can come away from those experiences. And, you know, because what we know about um, post-traumatic growth, like if, if somebody's never experienced, um, you know, hardship or, or anything that's, that's, that kind of causes that, um, you know, that, that growth, it's like, 
they they're not they're not the same, right? It's like you right. just kind of stay a bit more stagnant, right? It's like the pearl in the shell sort of idea. There has to be that agitation. Um, and I think so, sometimes too, like there has to be agitation when, when people go, oh my God, I need to, I need to work on this or like, I can't do this anymore. Or, I need to resolve this or I got to talk about this, right? Those are the, the, the invitations that, you know, that the, the, the system, whatever it is, the system, the soul, the awareness is, is staying to, to say, yeah, you know what? we're going to do, we're going to do more. Like we can actually do more. Like, yeah. you know, you can live in a different way. You can get some freedom and yeah, not, not all, you know, muffins and kittens and roses kind of thing. Right. But that maybe there's, a, there is a way to be able to, to live in, in a different relationship, you know, without as much distress, like, Hey, there's a way to do that. You know? And I think that's why, you know, I have stayed in this, you know, field for so long is it's like, it's so exciting when I tell people, um, you know, you know, I hear your story, you know, that sounds, you know, makes sense to me and also makes sense why, you know, you're in this situation, you know, we kind of link all the pieces together. Mm -hmm. And I say, you know, again, I'm not going to tell you, you know, how things are going to be, but, you know, by the way, this is possible to, you know, to get some, a, a different experience about and like that, you know, if you work on this and, you know, you can have a different level of, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, that, that if you keep working on yourself, you're not going to be in the same place in another, you know, year or two, in, or definitely not in, you know, five years or 10 years, like, just think about that. Isn't that exciting, right? And it's like this big challenge to people where they're like, you know, oh, wow, like, you know, it's, you can't just sort of sit back and expect it's going to happen without doing anything different. Um, but just how, you know, looking at it as a, you know, hope-based perspective of like, wow, isn't that awesome that we can actually change some of that, you know, the pre-programming that we might have, or, you know, just whatever it is like that it's, it's possible to, you know, kind of hold up the mirror and, and kind of look at things differently. And I've had people say too, like, you know, after I talked to them the first, you know, bit of times, like, they're like, I'm actually excited to start therapy or I'm excited about this you know maybe they've never felt that before because it was always like kind of right. less hopeful so I'm, I'm like yeah isn't that fun that it's like you can see it as like a challenging but also a really motivating interesting engaging process too of, of right. like you know working on yourself and trying to resolve things <laughs> well I mean I think I think understanding ourselves and like understanding like I've had this year or like last year, I think a lot of people went through a lot. I mean, it was probably one of the most challenging years to most of us to date. Um, and, and I just felt like I, I just felt like our capacities just had to get stretched, you know, and it's not comfortable at all. Um, and I think sometimes the culture, the mainstream culture right there right now is really working towards making things much more comfortable. And like, comfort is kind of boring sometimes. And, and not to say that I don't ever want to be comfortable. Of course I do. But, and, and, and I think there can be almost an obsession of going inwards too much that there is mm -hmm. kind of like, you have to let that go. Like that can be its own form of self-harm in a way of like, just learning to let things be as they are. Um, but yeah, I just, I would love to see, I mean, that's why I kind of teach yoga. That's why I'm about more like yoga and movement and breath work and stuff is learning how to sit with uncomfort, uncomfortable situations um, and teaching people how to be with their emotions. Those are like the two main things I personally focus on because I think those are like, no one really taught us how to do, how to sit with our emotions when we were growing up, yeah. you know? 
And I think that's a key also to being able to work with psychedelics in a beneficial way is being able to sit with the stuff that's going to be coming up when you're, when you're in that space. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The two things that I kind of, uh, you know, say that's kind of been my, you know, just like personal experience as well as, you know, being able to um, encourage or share, you know, with others is yeah. Like being, being uncomfortable or being comfortable with the uncomfortable. So like, yeah. you know, whereas before there might be times where, you know, for me, for sure, as well as like other people, it's like, Oh, this is one of those kind of situations. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. out of here. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I just don't, I can't, I can't or won't. Um, and then the other one is, um, uh, you know, just, learning to stay versus turning away so it's kind of the Mm. same thing too but just like you know being really curious and kind of like you know hey this is one of those times where I think you know I've got some you know things kind of percolating up or you know maybe triggering or I get you know really you know into um you know a more kind of heightened you know state or something like that right I'm having this reaction and my body's telling me something um and 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 being like, oh, what's wonder what's going on there? Oh, this is what's happening for me right now, right? And and being able to kind of hang out in that uh, versus trying to to block it or avoid it or you know using some other you know way of kind of shutting it down. You know, being able to tune right. into that, right? Right, 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 right. Um, so I'm gonna wrap up now because it's been a, a solid solid hour and a half. And yeah. um, so to wrap up, I do a rapid question fire um because they're just kind of fun and I added one in today so you're the first one I'm going to ask one of these two so um when you're ready I will yeah start okay so the first one is authenticity is authenticity is um transparency knowing oneself and fully being able to just own it and let it out and just being okay with whatever is in the moment. I love it. Um, what best describes your learning style? Uh, my learning style is definitely um, relational, experiential, collaborative community. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, your top book recommendation. Oh, um, anything to do with, um, I would say, um, understanding trauma from more of a um, physiological and um, systems kind of perspective. So I think of um, anything by um, Bessel van der Kolk or Gabor Mate. Yeah, I'm just trying to think anything else that's like a top, top book pick. It's a good one. I don't know. I, yeah, I think it's hard. legal theory, anything like that too. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. Um, you know, anything about, you know, the, when, when the body says no, or, um, yeah. when the, the body speaks its mind by other, by Mate or, or, uh, Bessel van der Kolk, I would say probably are pretty good ones. Yeah. Very, that's very that's my go-to. <laughs> yeah. That's the one when the body says no is one that just transformed how I thought of, of disease kind of in general and all that yeah. kind of thing. So, um, yeah. yeah, a daily practice or habit. Uh, yeah, my pets are my one of my self-regulation uh, practices. I would say my okay. I have a dog and a cat, and uh, they help me laugh and uh, you know spend a lot of time with them with my kids and just like 
everything from either being active and playing around with them or hanging out on the couch sometimes and just like be like we're just gonna chill on the couch for a while and just do yeah. nothing so <laughs> I love it oh that's yeah I have a dog too and they're they make life so much better yeah <laughs> um if you could have any superpower what would it be part of me wants to say making COVID totally go away right now Fair uh, enough. I would like to be able to time travel to go back and like see myself in different situations in the past or see other people that I know in different um very pivotal pivotal um moments in their life and just have it be able to view it from a different perspective cool that's yeah that's awesome <laughs> And then last one is what is a favorite obscure food choice? Oh, I, mine's really easy. I am obsessed with eating peppers. I, uh, I don't know what it is. It started like hot peppers? Ago. No, just regular peppers, red peppers, orange peppers, yellow peppers. I, I don't know what it is. I know that they're in the nightshade family. Mm-hmm. I probably eat more peppers than anyone that you know and it's like I don't want like I don't want um you know uh carbs or muffins or cookies I just want peppers and it's it's super weird and I definitely have people that have made fun of me that's amazing (laughs) oh I love it yeah that's why I love these because it's just like they're just interesting questions that are just like how we are you know um that's that's awesome peppers are pretty delicious I would agree Well, thank you so much, Tarzi, for coming on. This was awesome to yeah, talk to you. Yeah. And yeah, no, great. It was great, great questions and just kind of how everything flowed and stuff like that too. So perfect, perfect, perfect. Thanks so much for tuning into the Raw Podcast as part of the Radically Authentic Wholeness Project. We deeply appreciate you and would love to hear how you're enjoying the show. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts leave us an honest review, and share us with your friends and family. By doing this, you contribute to our mission of supporting individuals' pursuit of integrated wholeness and authentic self-expression. Are you interested in joining our community of curious comrades? Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash the raw project. Through the various tiers that outline our diverse offerings, you can explore your desired relationship with the project and our growing community. If you simply want to contribute without subscribing to the community, we appreciate your kind donations directly through our website, rawproject.org. We are not backed by any outside organization and our productions are purposefully raw and curated organically to create a listening experience that traverses my unending curiosity and insatiable desire to understand this divine experience we're all co-creating. I'm Christine Grace, and I wish you all a radtastic day ahead.